praise the Lord. Will please be seated. You know, one of the things Paul said to his son Timothy, right, is that he should wage war with the prophecy that has gone ahead of him. Every time there is a word for you in the season, whether God speaks to you directly, right, or you see something in his word, or is a word, right, for your house, for your spiritual faith community, you need to realize that it is not enough for you to celebrate that word. You need to declare those words out of your mouth. The Bible tells us, I believe, is Ezekiel 37, that God took Ezekiel to a valley of dry bones. And the Bible says that God said to Ezekiel, he asked them a question, right, can the dry bones live again? And Ezekiel said, God, you are the only one that knows. And God said, it's not about what I know, it's about what you say. And God said to him, begin to speak to the dry bones. And as he began to speak, the Bible says, bones began to join the bones. He says, it says, and sinews, you see, began to cover them. And eventually, as he began to speak, the Bible says, a mighty army arose. Not because God said, but because he said. And so you and I need to realize that whatever God says, you need to also say. He has said that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. He has said so that we may boldly say. So every time God gives you a word, especially when a prophetic word comes over your house, you must learn to give voice to it. The reason why oftentimes a lot of believers receive the prophetic word and they never see manifestation is because when they hear the word, the only thing they just do is, (laughs) Amen. No, 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 no. That is a good thing to do, to say amen. But you also need to go back, right, to your private, to your closet. Lock yourself up and begin to wage war with that word. Because you know why? For every promise, there will be contention. The Bible says that persecution will arise for the word's sake. For the word's sake. That's why sometimes it seems as if when a prophetic word comes to you, especially to your faith community, sometimes you begin to experience the opposite of the promise. Has that happened to anyone before? It's because there's a contention. The enemy wants you to doubt that word. He wants you to doubt that promise. And let me tell you this, it happened to Jesus. If it happened to Jesus, it will happen to you. Because the Bible says that in Matthew 3 and the 16, the Bible says the heavens opened over Jesus, right? And um, there was a voice that said, this is my beloved son, in whom I'm well pleased. Verses later, the Bible says the devil said to him, if you are the son of God, turn these stones into bread. That was contention. God already said he was the son of God. The devil is saying it is not enough. God said it. Prove it. So there are times, situations will arise in your life that will tell you to prove it. Oh, God said it's your season of increase. <laughs> Let's see the increase. And so, what you must ensure, you say, one thing that happens when you begin to declare those words out of your mouth is that it ensures that what God has said is upheld in your life. That your life does not go in the opposite direction. That your life and circumstances aligns with what he has said. And so, if you don't have any prayer... In the remaining days of these 90 days, let the words that should repeatedly come out of your mouth is, this is my season of increase. And let me tell you this, prophetic word is no respecter of economy, of any nation. It is not the respecter of the government that is in power. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Prophetic word is no respecter of these things. The only thing that can affect it is you. That's why Mark 11 and verse 23, Jesus said, if you don't doubt in your heart, but you believe the things you have said will come to pass. He said, you shall have whatsoever you say. So as you say it, you must believe it. You don't say it because your pastor told you to say it. You say it because you believe it is God's word. Are you hearing what I'm saying? That's why we have the scripture, Psalms 5 and verse 14. The Lord shall increase you more and more, you and your children. So whatever is, that looks like it's diminishing in your house, you speak to it. Let me tell you this, everything has ears. Including the things you think does not have ears. Everything has ears. The Bible says that when Jesus wanted to eat from the fig tree, right, and there was no fruit on it, the Bible says, and Jesus answered. You only answer if there is a question. The Bible did not say, and Jesus said. I can't remember that reference now. The media can help me with it. The Bible says, and Jesus answered. No one shall hit of you anymore. It simply means the lack of what Jesus expected from the tree was a question, an inquiry. In the face of Jesus. So sometimes, when you are going through seasons of contradiction, it is that contradiction asking you a question, where is your God? But you say you received a promise, where is it? And so you must give an answer to every contradiction in your life. So I encourage you in this season, put those words on your lips. This is my season of increase. I increase financially. I increase materially. My increase is undeniable. My increase is self-announcing. Those are the words you say. Because you see, there are increases that you are the one that will tell people that you have increased. There are some you don't need to tell people. They are the ones that will see it. 
That's a self-announcing increase. May that be your experience this season. In the name of Jesus. On your job. In your business. In your career. In your family. In your finances. In the life of your children. Increase in wisdom. Increase in favor. Increase in grace. Increase in destiny helpers. Increase in clients. In the name of Jesus. Increase in sales. Increase in opportunities. All around you. Opportunities will show up everywhere. When the doors have been closed against others, they will open for you. They will not just open for you, they will open to you. In the name of Jesus. And you will have the capacity to recognize it. Your own helpers will increase this year. They will increase this 90 days. The Bible says in 1 Chronicles 12 and verse 21 to 22. The Bible says, and they came to David. The Bible says every day helpers kept coming to him until his helpers were as large as God's own army. It means every day his helpers increased. I pray for you in your life there will be increase of helpers. In the name of Jesus. Your helpers will not be few. So let me tell you something. That's a powerful prayer. If your helpers are few, they can begin to feel proud. When your helpers are few, they may begin to think that they are the ones lifting you. But let me tell you this. When your helpers are many, when one person does not do one thing, in fact, it will be a competition. When one person is trying to do it or still thinking about it, someone else has done it. I pray for you in this season, your helpers shall be many. Your helpers shall not be few. There shall be many. In the name of Jesus. From all over the nations of the earth, helpers will arise for you. Someone that has forgotten you that needs to remember will remember you. In the name of Jesus, they will remember you through emails, through phone calls, text messages, DMs. In the name of Jesus, if you believe it, say very big amen. Okay, please be seated. So this morning we'll continue our discourse on the money masterclass, biblical keys, right, or strategies to financial abundance. We have established the fact that God wants us to live a life of abundance, right? He wants you and I to live a life of superior quality and excessive quantity. God doesn't want his people to manage through life. When you ask the average person, how are you doing? They say, we are just managing. That is not God's plan for you. Look at your neighbor, say, I refuse to manage. Oh no, you don't say it like you mean it. Say, I refuse to manage. Believer is not called to manage through life. No. We live in a world of abundance. Haven't you noticed, you see, every of the material resource in the world, when they say it is depleting, they discover another place where it is in excess. Because God never created right um, insufficiency, limitation, and lack in our world. Every form of lack and insufficiency is man-made. That's what the Bible says, the profit of the earth is for all. He didn't say it's for most. He didn't say it's for some. He says it's for all. So it simply means everybody in the world, the 8 billion or some of us, right, or more of us, can get to a point where we say that we are truly living a life of abundance. It is possible. Now, the question is, will everybody live a life of abundance? The answer is no. And everybody live a life of abundance? Yes. Will everybody live a life of abundance? No. Why? Because not everybody is willing to do whatever it takes. To live a life of abundance. And let me tell you this. As believers. As a people of faith. We need to realize. There are things expected from us. As children of God. And last week we started on that note. Right. Talking about the greatest money principle. The principle of honor to God. Especially in our finances. And we established the fact that. If you don't get that. You have missed everything. Because you see. Sometimes people say things like. Oh it is my money. <laughs> We established on Wednesday at the midweek recharge. If you miss that service, go and listen to the message. It will help you. In fact, it will answer many questions people are confused about. Especially on the subject of honoring God. And how do you do that? We said honor is not self-defined. It is recipient-defined. And one thing, the only thing God compares himself to in scriptures is money. He said you cannot serve God and mammon. So it simply means if you are not serving God with your finances, you are going to automatically serve the devil with your finances. There's no middle ground. And it's going to happen either consciously or unconsciously. But let me tell you this, it's going to happen. And how do we honor God in our finances? The Bible tells us that it's through the principle of the first. The principle of the first. The principle of the tithe. 
You see, so it's very important we have that understanding. And on Wednesday, we stopped right at talking about the purposes or the benefits of the tithe. One of the things we established is that you know the tithe is three things. Number one, we said it's the test of honor, number two, it is a test of trust, number three is a test of, of source. The reason why some people don't tithe as believers is not because they know they should. And I established the fact on Wednesday when people say that if you don't tithe, God curses you. It is a God does not curse you. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So if anybody ever told you that, it's a lie. However, I created a balance to it. I can't go into that Wednesday's message all over again. You just need to get it. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You just need to listen to it. Because it's a build up. It's a build up. It's a build up. So you need to get it. You need to get it, right? So God does not cost us. Because the question is, how much is the money? So let's even say maybe your income is a million naira per month. And you refuse to give 100,000 naira. God will now cost you because of 100,000. Abba. <laughs> you know. So please, let's get the message. Look at your neighbor and say, listen to the message. It will be a blessing to you. So we said the matchless benefits of tithing, number one is the activation of the Edenic blessing. Many believers are aware of the Abrahamic blessing, but we are not aware and conscious of the Edenic blessing. And that's the original blessing that God placed upon man, not upon Christians, but upon man. Because when God made man, he didn't make Christians, he simply made mankind. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Genesis chapter 1 and verse 26, he says, let us make man in our own image. He says, and let them have dominion. That's the Edenic blessing. The capacity to subdue your circumstances, to be in charge, to be in control, to have things work in your favor. And you see, in that Garden of Eden, when people say things like, oh, Titan is old, is old covenant, is Old Testament, I laugh. Because even though when the word Titan is not used, the principle is seen from Eden. God said, you can eat everything in the garden except this particular tree. Don't touch it. It is mine. Why? Because the tithe, the principle of honor, it is a test of trust. Can you trust God enough to see something and not touch it? But you know the thing about the devil is that the devil will leave every other thing. It is that thing that God says you should not do, that he will tell you to do. That's why you see today, there are so many things people don't attack about the finances of the kingdom. They don't tell you that you should not give to your parents, which we know is a kingdom principle. They don't say you should not save, which you know is a kingdom principle. It is that one that God said it is mine. It's the same principle of Eden. Same thing. The devil said, oh, did God say you should not eat this? Why did he tell them not to eat the mango? Or why didn't he tell them to eat mango or apple? By the way, it is not apple they ate. <laughs> because every time they show the picture, the picture of what Eve ate, it's always a red apple. For a very long time, I could not eat a red apple. Growing up. That, ah! <laughs> we saw in Christian stories Bible stories but they never told us what fruit they ate so if you don't like eating red mango um, red apple please eat it away you see you are not going to fall <laughs> one man has fallen for everyone praise God right so the first benefit of the tithe is the activation of the Edenic blessing the Edenic blessing is what makes life respond to you it's what makes things respond to you it's the blessing of dominion Number two, I skipped out this on Wednesday, so please let's follow the order now. Number two, he trains you in generosity. He trains you in generosity. Acts 20 and verse 35, the Bible says, It is more blessed to give than to receive. It is more blessed to give than to receive. One of the things I've come to realize is that any believer that you see, that tight with the right motive and out of understanding, they are generous people. They are generous because that's one of the ways God wants to train you. Because when you have given God his portion, it's very easy for you see. Let's leave it at that anyway. Because I still want to go to a very far place today. It trains us in generosity. Number three, it programs you for honor. It programs you for honor. Honor for God most especially. In Proverbs 3 and verse 9, it says, Honor the Lord with your substance and with the first fruits of your increase. Matthew 6 and verse 33, it says, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and every other thing will be added to you. So the principle of the tithe, when you execute it right, it simply programs you for honor. Number four, he puts the devourer at bay. And let me tell you this. The devourer does not understand your English or your phonetics. It is still very real. It is still what? Very real. In Malachi 3 verse 10 to 11, 
The Bible says, bring all the, all the tithes into the storehouse. Can we have it on the screen, please, so everybody can see it? Malachi chapter 3, verse 10 to 11. 10 to 11, let's start from 10. Alright, can we read together one to go? Bring you all the tithe into the storehouse, that there may be meat in my house. By the way, sorry, let me address something that I think needs to be addressed, you know. On Wednesday, one of the things I also mentioned is what qualifies as a storehouse. We need to have that understanding. So people say, me, I don't give my title in church. I take it to orphanage and to widows. You are wrong. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Because the Bible says when Abraham gave the tithe, where did he take it to? He took it to the priest of God, Melchizedek, that blessed him. Do they bless you in orphanage? Ah, God bless you. Thank you. That's not blessing you. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And the only place that qualifies as a storehouse, I explained all that on Wednesday, uh, on Wednesday. So it will really, you will do yourself a lot of service to go and hear that message. Because a lot of people tithe. But you see, you cannot, like I said, honor is not self-defined. It is recipients defined. So when God says bring the tithe, he told you where to take it. He said it's a storehouse. So he says that there may be meat in my house. And prove me now here which says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open you the what? The windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that there may not be room enough to receive it. Verse 11, it says, and I will rebuke what? The devourer for your sakes. And they shall what? Not destroy the fruit of your ground. Neither shall your vine cast her fruit before the time in the field, says the Lord. What is the devourer? Anything that prevents you from enjoying the increase of your life. Or the increase right in your hands. So there are some people a sickness. It may not be your sickness. You just realize that every time money comes to you, somebody around you is always sick. Is it that your parents? Or one cousin somewhere, or somebody has one accident. Something will just happen. And let me tell you this, if you are a tither and those things are happening, you have a right to go into God's presence to put a stop to it. Am I making sense? There are some people you have saved and saved and saved. Something just happens, wipes out all the savings. It's not normal. It's not normal. That's a devourer. Because the Bible says that God will be the one to rebuke the devourer for your sake. It says and they shall not destroy the fruit of your ground. So when you see that you are working as a believer who is faithful in tithing and you are working and you have nothing to show for it, that's a devourer at work. And you need to rebuke it because you see one of the things I've come to understand over the years, right? I think I learned this from Brother Hagen. Is that when we're praying about finances, the problem with many believers is we are praying to God. And God bless me, bless me. In most cases, he has already blessed you. It is the devil. God is not the one holding your money back. It's the devil preventing it from coming to you. So the best and most effective prayer to pray when you are praying about finances is to rebuke the devil to take his hands off your finances. But you see, the Bible says you will only be able to avenge all disobedience when your own obedience is complete. You can't have the confidence to rebuke the devil over your finances when you are disobeying the one that can rebuke him on your behalf. Do you understand what I'm saying? Right? So it, it puts the devourer at bay. Right? Number five, you find favor with God and man. If you go further to that 12th verse of Malachi chapter 3, one of the blessings that comes with tithing, he says that you shall be a delightsome land. Says the Lord of hosts. You shall be a delightsome land. That is, you will be a pleasant land. You see, let me tell you this. One of the reasons people struggle financially is that they lack favor. Favor. Whether it's a businessman, you just don't have favor with you just always offend, you always do something that offends your client and they take their business elsewhere. So one of the things that happens is that the favor, that's why you see, I always like to tell people there is no place in the Bible where God says that um, when, when you give the tithe, you know, and you give money, more you will just lie down on your bed and money will be falling. No, 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 no. The things that God says that will come, they are even greater than money. See, no matter how much a man works, if you don't have favor, you will struggle through life. I can tell you that. One day of favor is better than 10 years of hard labor. I've lived my life without favor, and I don't want to live another second of my life without it. Ah, no, no, no. It's not a good place to be. See, if you always spend money to get everything in your life, you are a poor man. I don't care how much is in your account. You are a very poor man. If there is nobody that ever looks at you and goes out of their way, puts themselves in a position of discomfort, just to help you. Ah, no, no, you are not enjoying God's favor. And that's and it's not because I'm up there. Are pastors who don't enjoy favor. 
Are you hearing what I'm saying? It's not a proper function of title. It's a function of covenant. And you need to realize that one of the things that comes with the principle, right, of the greatest money principle, which is honor to God in our finances with the tithe, is that you find favor with God and with man. And with man. Why is the earth and men not responding to some people? Because there is no favor. When the favor of God is upon you, those that are not supposed to like you will like you. There was no logical reason for King Saxis to like Esther. She was a foreigner. She was an orphan. Everything was against her. It looked at someone like Joseph also. But when they stood before the people that needed to favor them, the Bible says they found favor in their sight. Number six is open heavens. Open heavens. Malachi chapter 3 and verse 10. The Bible says when we bring the store and the tithes into the storehouse, it says, and there is meat in God's house, that it will open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing that there shall not be room enough to receive it. And that open heavens is the same thing that we'll see in Matthew chapter 3 and verse 16. But the Bible says that when Jesus was baptized, he went straightway out of the water, and lo, the heavens were opened unto him. Now, Jesus was not the only one that went to the baptism of John. People had been going, and after him, people still went. But it was only over him that the heavens were opened. One of the things that comes with the tithing principle is open heavens. What is open heavens? Open heavens is what makes things work for you effortlessly. Let me tell you this. Please listen to this. I wrote it down because I want to say it in a way we will get it. No matter what a man does, if the heavens are not opened, he will struggle for life without having anything to show for it. See, let me tell you this. If your, if your effort is greater than your result, huh? is it that your heavens are not open well or it is closed? You know, sometimes when you open a door, the door is not open very well. You can't pass through. Until they open it. I'm just trying to be humorous. But let me tell you this. Your results are meant to outweigh your efforts. There was a time in my life there was something I was doing. I shut it down. Because the effort was too much. I said, no, 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 no. This is not right. This is not right. I, I refuse to live this way. This is not right. I just knew it wasn't right. Because as a believer, we are supposed to operate perpetually under open heavens. And it's one of the prayers we pray in our recalibrate prayer sessions. That the heavens will be opened over our lives. That will begin to do effortlessly. Things will begin to come to us effortlessly and without struggle. If your struggle is too much, the heavens are not open. And someone can say, oh, but I'm a tither. Why are the heavens not open? That's what I'm telling you. That is the benefit, part of the benefits. So, because let me tell you this. When something belongs to you and you don't know, it can be stolen from you. And you will not even know you've lost anything. That's why you need to know what comes with the blessing of the tithe. Right? When a man operates under open heavens, his results will far outweigh his efforts. When a man operates under closed heavens, his efforts will far outweigh his results. Or what's still, he will apply so much effort without having any results. How about you see people that walk, 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 walk so much? Every time because they I'm busy. You say, I'm busy. I'm busy. When you look at the result of the busy, I wonder, ah, what are you busy doing? There's nothing to show for the busyness. And look at some people, it's as if they are just lounging through life. May that be your experience in Jesus' name. Amen. With little effort, there will be great results. Amen. In the name of Jesus. Amen. You know, before man fell, before God placed the curse on the earth, man did not struggle to eat. Man did not struggle for results. One of the things God said is from this moment forward, you will have to sweat before you eat. He said the ground will be difficult for you because God never cursed man. Read your Bible. He cursed the ground for man's sake. That's what the Bible says. And that's the curse. The Bible says that, you know, when it says this generation, you are cursed with a curse. That's the curse it was referring to, which we explained very well on Wednesday. morning i want to focus the remaining time that i have on recognizing money making opportunities i believe this is very critical because the question is how do i honor god with my finances if i'm not even making money so the question is if we are to honor god with our finances simply means money must be coming in isn't it 
Because God will never ask you to give what you don't have. I've had in some circles where people say that you can borrow to A lot of people who, who stole to sow in, in church because that one is not a church. Steal from there was a guy, a story I had, a true life story a while back. I can't even remember who told me the story, but it's a true story. Money was missing in the office, this particular church, you know. Everybody, they, they levied everybody. Wanted to do a program, so they levied everybody. <laughs> you know. So this guy was so much under pressure. He just saw one money that he thought his boss had forgotten. He took the money. You know the amazing thing? They were attending the same church. So when they were thanking brother so and so for the seed, ah, the boss wondered, that's the money that is missing in the office. And they called him. He said, I sold it to God. Did I have to solve my behalf? <laughs> Praise the Lord. So please, like I said on Sunday and I said it on Wednesday, we are not teaching these things because we need money. We are teaching it so you have understanding. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I've heard of people say things like, you know, and, and I've had it among so many pastors that the average church, only 25% of the members tithes. That statistics does not work here. I don't have the figure because money is not my business. My business is Acts 4 and verse 6 to focus on prayer and the study of the word. But I know in the gateway, over 50% of the members of the gateway church are titles. That's a good place to clap. So we are not saying it because ah, we want people to, ah, you people bring your title. We've not seen your hand though. I still don't want you. <laughs> you know, but for you to tithe, to honor God, you must first make the money. Isn't it? And you must make it legitimately and legally. And please let me tell you this. You know I've always said it. This is not a desperate church. If you are making money illegally, don't bring it here. They will catch you faster. Uh -uh. Have you been thinking about it? You know why? Because you are reporting yourself to God. Because we may not know, but as he enters the church accounts, God's storehouse, he will see it. You'll say, ah, go and catch that guy. You'll just realize that they will just find you. So I implore you, there is a better way to make money. Trust me, that you will not have IBP. That every time you have siren, you will not be jumping through window. <laughs> Sometimes I wonder how those guys live. You know, there are things that you don't recognize because you are not living in that realm. You know, if you are a fraudulent person, when you hear siren or you see a policeman, you have to do gig him. You, when you see policeman normally, you don't even feel anything. Hmm. Please make money peacefully. Praise the Lord. So we need to realize that making money, and please listen to this, I'm making a lot of it. It's both a spiritual responsibility and a moral obligation. Please write it down. Write it down. As a believer, making money and making lots of it is both a spiritual responsibility. And immoral obligation. God should be the days when believers are confused and unsure whether they are supposed to make money or not. I've come to tell you this morning you are not just supposed to make money, you are supposed to make lots of it. God is pleased when you are financially and materially blessed. He is pleased. He's not, he's not edgy. Like, eh, will this boy not lose his salvation? Will this guy not lose her faith? No, 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 no. That's religious programming. So how do you recognize money-making opportunities? We need to realize that people that look, like somebody rightly said many years ago, that many people look, but very few people see. One question you see God asking people all over scripture is what do you see? What do you see? In Isaiah 45 and verse 3, can we have it on the screen please? Isaiah 45 and verse 3. Isaiah 45 and verse 3. I want us to read it together once ago. And I will give you, that's not everybody. Can we all read it together on the screen? One to go. And I will give you the treasures of darkness and hidden riches of secret places that you may know that I, the Lord, which call you by name, am the God of Israel. Now look at how the Bible describes it. It says treasures of darkness. 
He now says, Eden riches. The fact that something is already rich, Eden, it means you need to find it. He now says, it's Eden riches in secret places. And let me tell you this everyone that has succeeded financially, exceptionally in our world, financially, this is what happened to them. They saw something nobody else saw. They saw something no one else saw. So you hear, for instance, one of the um, booming industries now in Nigeria is the real estate industry. There are some lands that people are selling now. Uh, I learned that um, Chevron, a plot of land in Chevron is like 100 million. I don't know if I'm correct. But in the early 90s, a plot of land in Chevron was 50,000 naira. That place would have been serious bush. <laughs> I remember, you know, first thing he was just telling me about the, my in-laws' house. When they were going to get that property, first thing he was telling me that that day, when they died, if, if it was bush, and they used cutlass to clear the road. If I said that day, you know, it was not the time when we have online banking and stuff like that, that she also had the cash to buy the land. But she was just like, me, this place, me, I never come in. In fact, he said there was a time in their house that when they talk about Hogba, that some people are living in Hogba, they laugh at them. Can they laugh at you now if they are living in Hogba? But years ago, some people saw it. May your eyes be opened. In the name of Jesus. Because let me tell you this, it takes open eyes to see money where a lot of people are seeing problems. It takes open eyes. Because the moment everybody is seeing money in something, let me tell you this, there is already limited opportunity. The people who make the most in every industry are the people that see the opportunity before anybody sees it. So to break free from lack and insufficiency, you must recognize money-making opportunities. No. Why do people not recognize money-making opportunities? Let me give us like three or four, and I'll talk about the, how to recognize the money-making opportunities. Number one is lack of training. Lack of training. People don't recognize money-making opportunities because they have not trained their mind and their eyes to recognize money-making opportunities. I had a story many years ago when I was on campus. About two employees from the United States that were sent to, you know, India on a particular, you know, um, uh, their, their office sent them to do a research. It was a shoemaking company. So they sent them to India to find out about the markets in India. True life story. Both guys got there. One sent a message back to the U.S. He said, people don't wear shoes here. So they are, oh, you've had the story too? He said, there are no places, we, we can't make money here because people don't wear shoes. The other guy sent a message. He said, people don't wear shoes here. There is opportunity to make millions of dollars by selling shoes. Two people saw the same thing, but they saw two different things. So we can both be looking at the same thing and be seeing different things. Someone is seeing money. Somebody is seeing problem. See, those that are smart are that they know that there is money in Nigeria. With our problems comes money. I will talk about it in a few seconds. Just be patient with me. Because let me tell you this. Every time you are on an international flight, when you are going out of Nigeria, you have more blacks. 90-95%. When you are coming back, you have more whites. What are they coming to look for? You think white people are stupid? Or they are coming for tourism? Was, 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 was... <laughs> what was <laughs> Tarika? <laughs> so they are looking for something. I remember my pastor said years ago he was having a conversation with an Indian. You know, they were, they were standing beside the car, you know, that had been abandoned for so long. And he said, the Indian man looked at him and said, You Nigerians don't appreciate your country. He said, What do you mean? He said, Money literally grows everywhere. So he said they pointed at the car that had been abandoned. He said, look at this car. Even a plant is growing on it. There are countries that they don't have arable land. I hope you know that. That they don't have land that you can plant anything on. There are countries that are surrounded by water. They even live on water. But we, we complain about Everything. So the first reason people don't see money making opportunities is because, you see, they lack training. 
Walt Disney, as you know, b- before he died, built a resort that has become the go-to center today globally. The average young person, even though people want to go to Disneyland, but on Barry Land many years ago, Walt Disney sat with his friend at Link Letter, and he told his friend, he said, Atoll. He said, look at this land. He said, what do you see? He said, told him, barren land. He said, I see mountains. He said, mountains in Florida? There are no mountains in Florida. He said, not the mountains God made. The mountains that I'm going to make. I see mountains. He told his friend, he said, buy land all over this place so that you can build hotels. He said, because people will go, come from all over the world to visit this place. He said, I'm not interested in the hotel business. But buy. He said, even if they are not interested, those that will be buy it from you. It was that link letter that said it years after his friend Walt Disney had died. That that day he thought that Walt Disney was running mad. And he told himself, I will not join you in this madness. Of course, he didn't buy one plot of land. Everywhere all over the world. Do you know how much Disneyland makes on a daily basis? Not monthly. Daily basis. The question is, what are you saying? Do you know that years ago, the ruler of Dubai came to Nigeria to borrow money? How of us have heard that story? True life story. Before they started their construction, somebody saw a city in the desert. Our president then did not see it. He did not see it. He said, desert? We can't invest there. Some of us are laughing now, but 10 years from now, some of you may see opportunities you have missed for life. And that's the purpose of this teaching this morning. I think it was a military regime. Of course, it will be the military regime. He said they can't borrow them. Imagine if Nigeria had borrowed Dubai money and we refused not to collect it back. We just asked for percentage. Because that's another thing many of us need to understand in this generation. Understand percentage. Understand. 5% 5% of a billion is better than 90% of 100,000. The second reason why people don't recognize money-making opportunities is because of comfort. When you are too comfortable with where you are financially, you will not see better. Some of us, maybe because of where you grew up, maybe you grew up in an impoverished background. Now you are living in a three-bedroom flat. You have a room. You didn't arrive. You are, you, have a, you, are, you are now the king. In fact, when they come visit you in the village, you tell them, what room do you want to sleep in? That's the guest room. You are feeling big. You have become too comfortable. I learned something from my pastor years ago. He said, always live below your status per time. It's one of the ways to make yourself uncomfortable. So there are things you can afford. You don't buy it. So that you can strive for more. Because the moment you satisfy, see, let me tell you this. You need to always have needs and desires. It's what keeps your hunger alive. If all your needs and desires are met now, you will have no drive to wake up tomorrow morning. So comfort is one of the things that prevents people from seeing money-making opportunities. The moment you are too comfortable, you will just relax. Number three is toxic teachings. Toxic teachings. I remember I've told us a couple of times that comfort and not failure is the greatest what? Huh? Is the greatest enemy of success. It's not failure, it's comfort. Number three is toxic teachings. Matthew 19 and verse 24. Hmm. You must have heard this before. Matthew 19 24. Can we have it on the screen please? Can we all read it together once ago? And again I say unto you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to what? Enter into the kingdom of God. So what does this tell you? As a part of the kingdom, you are not supposed to be rich. Right? Wrong. Because when you read this scripture and you don't understand what the Bible is saying, see, it's one of the things we teach in our membership induction training. That when you want to interpret scripture, you must understand who said it. To who was he said? And in what context was he said? The needle he's talking about here is not tell us needle. In the gates of Jerusalem, right, in the medieval ages, when people go on business transaction, the gates of Jerusalem are usually closed by 6 p.m. When the sun is down, 
However, by that time, everybody has not made it back into the city. So, they created a small gate that camels will not be able to pass through with their riders. So, the rider we have to come down and the camel we have to bend through to enter into the city. It was a security measure. Because, of course, back then there was no light and everything. So, once it's getting dark, crimes will increase. So, that's the eye of the need do. The Bible was talking about not Abere, not a lost need do. Because a lot of people have used this as scripture to keep people in poverty. That it is very difficult though. Can you pass through the eyes of a need? Do you look at yourself? My size. At least when you look at some people, they can see we go through. But some of us, with our size, there is no hope. <laughs> you know. So you just tell yourself, ah. So you decide, is it that I remain in the kingdom or I choose riches? And the other person will rather choose riches and leave the kingdom. Isn't it? Don't lie to yourself now. But here it wasn't talking about the needle as we know it. It's talking about a, a particular entrance. So if you are not careful, if you don't understand God's word, for, that's what we always encourage you in this house. Read the Bible yourself. People have been lied to because they didn't even read the Bible themselves. See, people can take scripture out of context to mean anything they want it to mean. If you don't understand the context in which it was written. For instance, there's a scripture a lot of people use. Even some wives use it to attack their husband. A man that does not take care of his household is worse than an infidel. How many of us have had that scripture? Do you know that scripture is not referring to marriage? In that is it referring to men? He didn't even say a man. He says, those that don't take care of their household. And it was referring to widows. People who have widows in their family that are not taking care of the widows and making it the responsibility of the church. He was now correcting them that feed your widows and stop making them the responsibility of the church. However, somebody can see that now and use it as an opportunity to be irresponsible. A pastor has said it's not my responsibility, it's your responsibility. <laughs> Toxic teachings. Like money corrupts the righteous. Money is the root of all evil. Have we had that before? The Bible didn't say that. It says the love of money. And that love is talking about his obsession with money. You know some people are obsessed with money that they will do anything to get it. Including killing their mother. They say you have lived for a while, Jerry. Me, I'm still young. I still have lots of years in front of me. Mama, go and die. <laughs> Let your head be bringing money. Some people will kill. Haven't you heard of guys that sacrifice their girlfriends? That's why ladies that all you're always looking for is money, money. May you not end up as a ritual sacrifice. A guy that you don't know his source of money, you just see him changing car every three months, every six months. Out of a story of a guy in the city, you know, where he's schooled. Every time he carries the babe, he always carries the babe and they will sit in the front seat. Not knowing that under that front seat is a calabash. So as they sit on that, after a while, the ladies will just be falling sick. Don't be too contemporary to forget that these things exist. So people believe that Jesus was poor. And they want to be like Jesus. My own Jesus was not poor. Maybe your own was poor. But Jesus Christ, son of the living God, was not poor. I remember years ago, I think I mentioned this last year when I was teaching this series. I had the preacher, and he said it confidently, a popular person. Thank God I knew the Bible myself because I would have been convinced that day too that Jesus was poor. There was a time the disciples of Jesus came to see Jesus. And the disciples of John the Baptist, they came to see Jesus. They said, Master, where do you live? And Jesus did not say, I don't have any house. He said, come with me. And the Bible says when Jesus took them to his house, see, it's in your Bible. The Bible says that he took them to his house by the beach. Jesus lived in a beachfront house. As far back as then, he bowed. <laughs> Bowling is not a new thing. <laughs> there was a time the Bible says that Jesus was going to the other side to preach. The Bible says he was in a sheep. And other little sheep along with him, not Keno sheep. Because many of us, when we read sheep in the Bible, we are thinking, Keno. The Bible says that Jesus slept in the sheep. They had to wake him up. If you are inside Keno and there is a storm, won't you wait by yourself? When you are not Jonah. So Jesus was not poor. But a lot of people have been kept in poverty with that mindset. So they can't even see money making opportunity. Ah, Jesus was poor. What am I looking for with money? Just take the old word and give me Jesus. Some people also don't recognize money-making opportunities because of the relationships in their life. 
If everybody around you is talking poverty, you will never see money making opportunities. Because the things that you surround yourself with are the things that will be prevalent in your life. John chapter 5 is a classic example. The Bible talks about the man by the pool of Bethesda. The Bible says he had been there for 38 years. Or maybe 37 or 38 years. I think he said he And the Bible says the reason was because in that place there were many sick folk. So when he woke up in the morning, what he saw was sickness. So he will even be comparing sickness. My own sickness is even still better. This one is sicker. It's not a correct English. You don't write his name. <laughs> I said, ah, it's 38 years. Everywhere he looked, sickness. If you are surrounded with poverty, you will never see money-making opportunities. I came across a study years ago when I was on campus, and it's one of the things that saved me early in life. He said, write down the name, and I've taught some of us the exercise, we've done it before. Write down the name of the five closest people to you. And... Write down the average income, divide it by five. Your financial destiny may never be more than that. And if you ask yourself, if you do that exercise now, you will realize it's the truth. Many of your friends, your finances, your finances are in the same bracket. So if your friends, or if you are earning 150 or you are earning 200, maybe the maximum person among your closest friends will be earning 300 or making 300, even if it's business. Because there is something about the people you surround yourself with. They challenge your thinking and they influence what you see. So if everybody around you is seeing how bad things are, how hard the economy is, that's the only thing you'll be seeing also. So where do you find money? How do you see money making opportunities? Number one, please realize that money is where people are. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Anywhere you find people, there is money. As bad as people complain about Nigeria, you know why Nigeria is still very much respected globally? Do you know why? We are the most populous black nation in the world. You can't beat that. You can't beat that. We are over 200 million. Over. Or is it 220 million? Do you know what that means? 220 million people. Go and check it. The wealthiest people in the world always come from the most populous nations in the world. That's why when you check the Forbes list, the richest people are from the US, from India, from the one in Africa, mostly Nigeria. Do you know how many billionaires Nigeria have? It's population because where people are, there is money. So when you are not seeing, you see, when you go to Oshodi, Oshodi has changed now. Back then, when you see sea of heads, some people say, ah, there is problem here. It's money you are seeing. Because let me tell you this. Imagine in a country, do you know that Lagos alone is bigger than the whole country, nation of Ghana? Lagos, bigger than a country. So what you will sell in, in Ghana, you will sell multiples of it in Nigeria. And it is even, we're even talking about the Nigeria you and I know. When you go to the north, eh? you are still controlling birth. We are, we are doing parental control or birth control in this part of the world. They don't do it in the north. Oh. It's as many as you, are, you will see one man with 50 children, six wives. It's as far as we can give back to. Let's continue. So, anywhere you see people, you will see money. See, money is not difficult to make. That's one thing you must agree with in your mind. The moment you believe that making money is difficult, it will be difficult to make it. And like I told you, this is just a psychological thing. Everybody always avoids what they believe is difficult, isn't it? Do you run towards something that is difficult? Naturally, you want to avoid it. So the moment you tell yourself that making money is difficult, you will be avoiding money. You will just be making the barest minimum. Just to survive. Because something tells you, you know, there are even proverbs in our part of the world that support such nonsense. They say that uh, the, problem, the rich man has problems, so it's just money that's covering it. Or it's just clothes that's covering it. The poor man does not have problem. Everybody has problems. So that, that, that's, that's, that's a given. Number two, to recognize money making opportunities. Understand that money is found in problem solved. Or in the solution to problems. Every problem you see is money in disguise. Am I making sense this morning? Every problem you see 
is money in disguise. Complaining about problems sends money away. Solving problems attracts money. And one man's problem is another man's money making opportunity. See, when it comes to solving problems, understand that there are different types of problems. Am I making sense? There is a poor man's problem. There is middle class people's problem. There is rich man's problem. But everybody has problems. And if you can solve the problem, money will flow from such individuals to you. And there are some problems that I call everybody's problem. Everybody's problem. There are problems that no matter who you are, no matter your status in life, no matter where you were born, you will have that problem. Number one is hunger problem. No matter how rich you are, even a silver spoon, if you are born with it, a silver spoon must you put food in your mouth. You can't eat silver, can you? No. So hunger is everybody's problem. You know the thing with many people is, when they want to make money, they only want to focus on solving the problems of the rich. See, if you don't have what it takes to be recognized by the rich, or you don't have the rich in your circle, you can't solve their problem because, because you can't even understand their problem. That's why sometimes when some people want to start a business, one thing I always ask them is, when I realize that their target is towards rich, I always ask them, do you have rich people in your circle of influence? When they say no, okay, I say fantastic. Do you have friends that are rich? No. Do you have people that can bring you to their circle of influence? No. You better change your strategy. Or else you are the only one that will buy what you are selling. It's just common sense. Except you have a way to break into that space. But if you don't have a way to break into it, well, one of the things social media has done is to give people the opportunity to penetrate into certain spaces. But let me tell you this. True rich people are not found on social media. Are you hearing what I'm saying? They are not. They don't buy on social media. They may see you on social media, but they take the transaction away from social media. Because I can't want to give you 150 million now. And the only place where I saw you is social media. I accept something is wrong with me. Or I'm not the one that made the money. Even people that inherited the money, they are not that stupid. So when you hear that they swindle people online, they swindle you weak money. Eh? It's just that it is a swindle people now. Like 100k, 150k, 200k. Have you heard that they swindle somebody online before? An online vendor, they swindled you 10 million. Have you heard it before? Or 50 million online. In fact, it's the person they swindled you first check. That's, uncle, are you alright? Because you cannot be alright. So find out the problems you want to solve. But please understand this. When people are complaining about problems, you find out the money-making opportunity in that problem. For instance, Lagos is growing at an alarming rate. The real estate industry, the reason is growing, especially in a place like Lagos, is because the population is increasing. People need housing. People need housing. So it's a problem, and that problem is growing at an alarming rate. Because every time people travel, especially first period, there is somebody in the village that has been promised when next I come, I'm taking you back to Lagos. So as that one also comes, housing problem has increased. Because someone that is cutting with the uncle today, we plan to have this our own house in the next two, three years, isn't it? That person will live somewhere. And it's not everybody that can afford to buy a 150 million naira house. It's not everybody. Even if you ask some people to pay it instrumentally, they can't finish it in their lifetime. And yet, they will still live in some place. Am I making sense? They will still live somewhere. So that's a problem. Can somebody think of how we can solve that problem? So there is hunger problem. There is nakedness problem. Nakedness problem is what the fashion industry is solving. Even though today, we don't even know whether they are solving the nakedness problem or exposing the problem. <laughs> we, don't, we are confused. <laughs> because sometimes, look at some people, you are wondering, ah, you don't need to wear any clothes. Just remain the way you are. Because today, fashion is about what you reveal, not what you cover. What a shame. The problem has now become the solution itself. 
Next, there is shelter problem, which I already explained. There is also ignorance problem. That's why we have schools. That's why forever, people will always send their children to school. Isn't it? That's why we have higher institution. That's why we have primary schools. That's why we have secondary schools. They exist to solve ignorance problems. There's also health problems. That's why hospitals exist. That's why you see that institutions that cater to these problems, they cannot be poor. It's not possible. Money will always flow in those directions. There's mobility problem. Oh, they've removed subsidy. Are you still not moving around? I heard some people say that, ah, the way they remove subsidy. People will pack their car. There will be no traffic again in Lagos. I think it happened for one or two days. The third day, traffic everywhere again. Because mobility is a problem. Do you want to walk from here to Lekki? Because they remove subsidy. You are now angry. Transport fare was 100 naira. It's now 500 naira. I will walk. You may get to work, but you are not the one that will work that day. <laughs> because by the time you arrive, your soul would have left your body. <laughs> so mobility is a problem. That's why you see, that's why you see that someone like Elon Musk, he has gone ahead and created because see, I'm not supporting any government, but subsidy removal, you need to understand the way the world works. It's long overdue. There's no way it will not be removed. There's no way in the world where fuel is being sold, the rate is sold in Nigeria. And it is a scam. People, you see, people are just emotional. They don't even understand how government works. Gas prices have increased everywhere globally. One of the things that affected it is the Ukraine-Russia war. Some of us, when we see those things, you think it does not affect you. It does. It's one of the reasons why the price of food has even increased. Because I think it's Ukraine, you know, that produces the highest volume of fertilizer used globally. And they at war. Can you produce when you are fighting? So somebody decided to create electric cars. So very soon. And trust me, you know, Nigeria adopts things very fast. All somebody needs to do is to create a charging station where you can charge an electric car in Lagos. Before you know, you'll just be seeing Tesla everywhere, everywhere, every. In fact, you, we have charging stations on Third Mainland because in our own traffic is different. <laughs> if you charge your car and you stay in five hours traffic, <laughs> you just carry your car on the head <laughs> or park it on the road and <laughs> it's in there the next day. Electricity is a problem. Power problem. Haven't you noticed that today you, it's almost very difficult to survive with electricity? If your phone goes off, it's almost as if you are about to die. It's electricity is a problem. You see people, and somebody has solved that with power bank. Power bank. Apple just, they are releasing a product in January, the Vision Pro. They created that product with power bank. Somebody came up with the idea. You know, there's also sadness problem. That's what comedians are solving. When they make you laugh, you forget your sorrow. Even though it's not a permanent solution, but at least you laugh for the meantime. Also, money is found in needs. Can I have the image on the screen, please? So, when you get home, some of the things I've explained, they are found in Abraham Maslow's hierarchy of needs. You can check it online. It's something that's, you know... Um, everybody should know. We're taught in is economics now. Can't even remember, but you were taught in school. There are some things called psychological or physiological needs, safety needs, love and belonging needs, esteem needs, and self-actualization needs. When people have not met their physiological need, trying to sell love and belonging to them is a waste of time, and rightfully so. So somebody you have not sorted out air, water, food, clothing, you can't even clothe yourself. You are proposing to a girl. Something wrong with you. You are listening to Adekunle go. You say, Alima, low, low, low. Which Alafia is that one? Alafia Tayo. That was not normal. <laughs> because if she says yes now, where will you live? No plan. He said, Will you marry me? You to daddy ask, Will you marry me? You just say yes. You didn't ask when. They may pin you down for 10 years. So they are physiological needs. And once those needs are not met, people really don't think of... That's why you see that there are parts of our country 
where people can easily be manipulated to become suicide bombers. Because when someone's physiological need has not been met, they are not thinking of safety. Other people can easily manipulate. Haven't you noticed that you hardly find an Igbo man or a Yoruba man becoming a suicide bomber? He will collect the money, throw away the bomb. So there are some people that when you tell them, because even to eat, there are some guys in the north, they call them Almanjiris. Those guys, they give back to them. As I give back to them, they just give them, is it a slate or plate? That's your means of survival. You survive yourself. Many of them die like chickens. They are a force in the north. Without them, 10,000 naira alone, they will kill anybody. Just give him a gun. Tell him to assassinate that man. You don't need to give him a house. Just tell him for the next one year, I will feed you. So there are basic needs, there are luxury needs. And you need to find, you need to realize that until the basic needs are met, people don't think of luxury. Except Gen Z now. Fake it till you make it. Money is also found in value. Value created. If you are a value adder, you will never be in lack of money. So you need to find out how to create value, how to distribute value, and how to market value. Money is also found in gifts and talents. You see that in the life of actors, comedians, actresses, athletes, dancers, writers. Some people say, whatever it is that you are gifted in, find a way to turn it into money. There is no government in the world that can provide a job for everyone. It's not only Nigerian government, it is global problem. It is a world gov- um, gov- um, government problem. Also money is in products and services. If we ask you how much did you spend in the last one year, or between 70 and 100% of your income, what did you spend it on? You don't need to think about it. Should I tell you the answer? You spent it on products and services. That's what you spent it on. So whoever is providing you with products and services will always make money off you. So the question you need to ask yourself is, what product and services are you offering? Next, money is found in work. Money is found in what? Beware of the demonic ideology of soft life. It's not scriptural. Soft life. People don't want to do anything. They just want money to be coming in. I can't kill myself. My mental health. Like stressing my mental health. What's wrong with your mental health? You work for four hours. You have mental health. Some people work 16 hours. And nothing happens to their mental health. If I made their mental health stronger. Money is found in work. Second Thessalonians 3 and verse 10. The Bible says, for even when we were with you, this we commanded you. 2 Thessalonians 3 and verse 10. That if any would not walk, let him not what? You don't deserve to eat if you don't walk. That's the Bible. It says, if it is a commandment, it says, we commanded you that if any one of you does not walk, neither should he eat. So as a Christian, you can't be obtaining people all over. As some people, after service, they size people up, they target people. How much can you get from targeting people? How many of you before someone has come to beg money from you? You know, um, um, ah, um, can you give me my token? Um, you now transfer 50k. The highest anybody can give you from begging is 1,000 naira. In fact, the 1,000 naira is a good day. Maybe 100 naira or 200. So you can never make it through begging. I'm say, oh, some people have made it through begging. Is that the kind of life you want to live? <laughs> or gentle key everywhere. And last but not the least, money is found in divine direction. You know, that's where we started from. It says there is hidden riches in secret places. Let God guide you. Isaiah 48 and verse 17. It says, Thus says the Lord your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. I'm the Lord your God. Which teaches you to profit. Isaiah 48, 17. He says, I'm the Lord that teaches you to profit. Which leads you by the way that you should go. Let me tell you this. God knows your business more than you know it. 
ever get that twisted. Some of us, the only place where we think God is important is on Sunday morning in church. After church, Monday morning, we forget about God. Now, let's go into the real world. Were you in the fake world before? God can teach you how to profit in that business. He can teach you how to get profit in that career, in that industry. But the question is, do you even talk, about, um, talk to him about your work? Let's learn to talk to God about our work, about our finances. Sometimes you just need to ask God, God, show me where the money is in my industry. Show me what to do that nobody else is doing in this industry. And you'll be amazed. The answer may not come immediately, but it will come eventually. Because it says, everyone that accepts, receives it. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you this morning for the seed of your word that's been sown in our hearts. This morning, I want us to ask God to open our eyes. Oh, that's a prayer you should pray for yourself. Ask God to open your eyes. When you read the scriptures, you will realize that Jesus healed more blind eyes than he performed any other miracle. Ask God to open your eyes this morning to see opportunities where others are seeing problems. Ask him to open your eyes to begin to see opportunities.